Unspoken Issues. The Unspoken Issues podcast. We have returned and we is me, Jesse Starcher, and Dean Compton. Dean Compton, we're talking hard case and the strangers tonight. Are you prepared, sir, to hop into the Ultraverse and talk some 90s comics? I've been prepared to talk about the Ultraverse since the Ultraverse, since before the Ultraverse dropped. And telling my mom, I was like, listen, you got to understand, this is your chance to buy Fantastic Four number one. This is your chance to buy Amazing Fantasy 15. This is your chance to buy Full Killer number one. Mm. You can get in on the ground floor and I, and I really meant it and um uh you know i thought i was talking in like weird like this would be worth a bunch of money one day obviously that didn't pan out but as far as being able to get in on the ground floor of a superhero universe i love the ultraverse i love hard case i love the strangers i love this crossover so yeah i'm absolutely ready to talk about it much more so than my mom was who was like shut the fuck up <laughs> I don't talk about the Ultraverse. I'm very busy. (laughs) Derry, wait. We're heading into the Ultraverse, buddy. Were you you getting Ultraverse comics back in the day? Were you picking these things up off the shelf? No. uh, Unfortunately, I, I slept on this. I had no idea what was going on. I didn't recognize anyone. I got a little excited when Marvel bought them, but by the time I realized that had happened, they had shuttered the company. So, yeah, yeah. So it was unfortunate. So no, I I've only read bits and bobs over the years, but Dean has recommended various ones repeatedly, so I've read them uh, here and there. But but finally sitting down and reading the two issue storyline, I loved it, and I went I went down a hole of of the Ultraverse today, just going and finding out where all these character arcs went. So th- this will certainly not be the last arc from the ultraverse that i do read what year did you like start buying comic books heavily 91 92 so do you remember the hype though because it's weird you're like i didn't even know what's happening they're like mtv commercials and like posters everywhere like jump on now i'm a little you missed all that hype because i feel like if you got wizard or hero comics buyer's guide comic book collector comic scene i don't know you know like uh comics values monthly i think we're about out now there's uh wait overstreet overstreet <laughs> update if you got any of these like you should have known about the ultraverse i'm a little younger than you guys so okay. i didn't have any of that stuff and you got to remember, you got to think of those years. There were a lot of number ones, True. right? So like, you know, Image was coming out around that time. The Ultraverse was coming out a couple years yeah. later. Like there were a lot of number ones. I didn't necessarily know like which ones, uh, how they all related, which ones to pick up, which ones right. to, to sleep on. I knew I liked Spawn because I had the Spawn toys. So that was kind of the segue yeah. there. And I do remember the Ultra Force cartoon. And that got me very excited because that was something I'd watch on USA in between, I don't know, Savage Dragon and Mortal Kombat. So I was very excited. Man, the Cartoon there. Express. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Good times. Somebody needs to get that train back on the tracks. The I'll thing that kills it. me is there was so many. I mentioned that there were a lot of number ones back then, yeah. and you know most of that stuff disappeared because it was right. privately owned and and it never got picked up and and what have you. But the the Ultraverse was 
bought hook, line, and sinker by Marvel. Like, it's owned by the Disney Corporation. Like, the only thing preventing Prime and Hardcase and all the others from being comics, movies, what have you, is 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 money, really. And, and I'm sure I'm oversimplifying it. Uh, I don't know any of the guys behind the scenes, but at the same time, part of it is like, you know, why, why has this not been brought back, at least for one series? We're getting a new cross-gen book, you know, and even if that's just to hold the copyright up, it's like, give me a, give me a little bit more hard case, guys. Well, yeah. I mean, I can tell you, you know, because I am friends with, you know, people behind this who were behind the scenes at Malibu, and uh, Tom Mason has uh, gone on the record. You have to look at the contracts, and I'm not going to name names, but the reason that the Ultraverse is it hasn't been brought back has nothing to do with any royalties or that the creators own anything it's pretty much the same contract that like garth enos has with dc from around the same time when it comes to like the preacher you know the preacher material or hitman or anything like that i don't i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say any particulars because i don't know the particulars of those deals but tom mason and dave olbrich and the people who are behind malibu assure everyone that these are pretty normal deals there is someone who was associated with malibu comics and it's not going to be hard to find out who i'm not going to name the names but this person was not very well regarded by the marvel people if memory serves and you know and, and has a bad reputation overall again you can look this up apparently this person was you know they've had a lot of problems with paying people on time that kind of thing according to the uh, according to various comic book publications and, and I don't know how much of that is true or not, but we know the reputation's there. What happens is, is that particular person has an executive producer claim on anything that came from Malibu. So they don't want to work with him. There's no point in bringing these oh. comic books back as comic books. They've got a thousand freaking characters, a million characters. Yeah. Like, you know, is there room right now? I'm like, oh man, if only I bring back Rune! I'm not <laughs> seeing that, you know what I mean? And they actually did put Rune in Hero Clicks uh, in the last two or three years, which is pretty cool. Oh, but wow. the reason there's no comic books is they don't think there's money to be made off comic books, and they don't need these characters to branch out into other forms of media. From what I understand, the reason has to do with that one personality. And even that shouldn't be an issue anymore, but there's just, there's not really much money in it. There's not even enough money in it to go through the process of digitizing it, to yeah. put it on like Marvel Unlimited, which is a much more painstaking process than people think. The reason that the Ultraverse is not coming back has nothing to do with any of those deals. It has something to do with, you know, what I mentioned. And again, I don't want to name too many names, but it's easy to find out if you go just Google a couple things about Malibu Comics the ultraverse what kills me is you know one of the things that dc always gets right is absorbing you know its neighbors right it brought the charlton characters into everything it brought back shazam and his family it even brought in the wildstorm characters and it, the it, quality guys before that too with the plastic yeah Man, blackhawk uh the uh the earth x heroes oh yeah freedom yeah, fighters yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're... they're Human they're, bomb rules, guys. I don't want to get off on too much of a tangent, <laughs> but goddamn, what a guy. Blowing shit up, wearing a fucking, like, you know, nuke suit. I love him. Go on. I All I was going to say is, you know, it's one of those rare cases where it's like, I wish Marvel hadn't brought the, bought them, because if DC had bought them, I'm sure they would have found a way to, you know, suitably underutilize these characters, but at least they'd be in something. Right. You know, there'd be, there'd be like Hard Case and The Outsiders or some other, like, B-level Warner Brothers property they wanted to promote, but they, they'd be there. And then, I don't know, whoever this generation's version of James Robinson is would bring Prime back, and I, I'd be picking that up monthly. The suicide solution. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. 
Yeah. That's pretty yeah. good, honestly. Crisis, uh, crisis yeah, on Earth Malibu. Of, uh, with the exception of Prime and Freaks for, you know, Gerard Jones's legal problems. I mean, I mean, he's fucking Polonius, you know, child porn guy. So legal problems is probably too light of a way to put it. You know, nobody's going to do anything with Prime or Freaks again. Like, you're just not. And honestly, in hindsight, Prime's kind of creepy with what you know about that guy now. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, for sure, everybody else, you're 100% right. DC would have probably worked them in much better just based on how, even if like, and I hear the Wildstorm people complain all the time. They don't get Grifter right. They don't get Wildcats right. But they try like every five years. They're you know? trying. The, the, yeah. You know, the milestone guys, they don't think they quite get them right either, but they try like every four or five years. I mean, so, I mean, I, I mean, I think you're right. We, they would have much more of a presence and be more likely to, ex, to uh, escape the uh, comic book world into other forms of media if they had gone to DC. But Marvel wasn't going to have that at the time because that would have pissed the stockbrokers off. Right? Yeah, the, the Wildstorm thing is such a good analogy because I was such a huge fan of that when it was coming out and when it was bought, I was like, Oh, this isn't a great sign, but whatever. But the thing I always go back to is, is Shazam. It's like, you know, for the most part, DC doesn't know what to do with those characters. Not really. But every once in a while, we get a story that makes it worthwhile. Like we got the Jeff Smith series back in the two thousands. That was worth having to read every piece of Roy Thomas fan fiction I have ever struggled through or like the more recent multiversity issues or there was yeah. a two part convergence thing. Like, again, they're few and far between. Jerry Ordway's just... Power of Shazam is great, too. Oh, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. But it's just one of those things where it's like if it had gone into the public domain or if Fawcett was owned by the people who owned like Tarzan, you wouldn't get that. So right. having it at DC and every once in a while someone comes in and is like, hey, can I do my own thing with this? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah just, you know, don't. Don't bother us. And then they do it and it's great. And three people read it. And then that's it for 10 years. It'd be the same thing here. Like you'd get a really good hard case story. And then that's it for 10 years while they try to work the characters into their, you know, whatever nonsense they're doing this week, dark crisis. But, uh, right. yeah, it's tough to dark, see the breakthrough, the breakthrough, <laughs> the guy who they probably out of all the people that DC's brought in that they've gotten the most, right. It's probably plastic man. Which is odd because they already had stretchy guys. And I think Blue Beetle is probably a close second as far as those guys. Like Blue Beetle like fits into the universe to the point where like it's hard to think of him that he was ever not a part of that universe. But those two guys, you know, work pretty well. And then then you have, you know, Mr. Majestic, who I don't know if they quite ever quite ever worked. I like Mr. Majestic. I like Majestic a lot. I'm a big it, fan of Superman analog, so we're going to off on a different tangent. But yeah, if DC had bought the old, uh, bought Malibu, we would see those. We would still be yeah. seeing uh, at least uh, shadows of those guys. Yeah, the, you know, you know, the Nightman would be playing saxophone right. in some rundown Gotham place where <laughs> Ghostmaker or Clown killer whatever nonsense tinian is trying to push is is attending as a as a patron batman (laughs) would do some super ninja shit and prototype armor would just shatter (laughs) yeah you know it it is tough to watch these properties that were really successful in the 90s get buried or just not have a the staying power that you this was a whole universe that was going to be around for so long you know the same thing with like the image continuity that was going on at that point too you think well this will be around forever and it's then it goes away and we are left here going wanting like why why can't we have this why can't we have i I can tell you why it's a very simple answer i don't want to i don't i'll cut right to the fucking quick 
You know, it's because comic books were in the middle of a speculative boom at the time. They were selling huge amounts of money, which attracted outside investor capital. The problem was, is you have things like Valiant at one point was like, we promised never to print more than 250,000 of any issue. I'm sorry. Like, I like, like, Dr. Mirage number two, but do you think 250,000 fucking people bought that to read it? Like, do you really think that? Like, it's not true. So you have all these people pumping money in during a speculative bubble, and they're stupid. I'm not trying to say anything bad about it, but they're bankers. They're like SNL people. They don't know shit from Apple Butter about comic books. So they think this is how it is, especially at the same time you have CNN. Garam Sheamus is on CNN telling people that, like, Action Comics number one is worth 20 grand, 30 grand at the time, which it was. But then he's like, so you better get turned. Rock dinosaur hunter number one. <laughs> so you have so you have this hype, you have these uh inflated numbers, and you have people with money that need to spend it to either get rid of it so it looks good on their balance sheet for some reason, or because they think they're gonna make a trillion dollars because Shadow Man met Aerosmith or what the fuck ever. And that's it. <laughs> that's why these things happen. I mean, you said, Oh man, these things were successful. Why did they care? They weren't. They weren't fucking successful. That's why they didn't carry on. That's why they had to sell Malibu because they were hemorrhaging fucking money. And I'm not saying anything that like Tom Mason and Chris Olm and Dave Over, it's like they would say these same things, you know. They might say it with less, you know, of that Southern swagger I got, but it's the same thing. They had to sell before there was nothing to sell. At the end of the day, that's why comic books have never been quite as good or I don't say quite as good because it's not from a financial perspective. That's why you haven't had a bunch of roll. What's the biggest rollout new venture from anybody with a bunch of money since then? It was CrossGen. What did the guy do? Use his own fucking money because ever since then, there's no reason for big financial backers to come in and be like, "Okay, I'm gonna pump an extra three million into Dark Horse. We're tops. Let's start a comic book company." Oh, uh, Malibu is gonna make. Uh, some you know we have a films uh, uh, division and we have video game division. Let's put all this money into one thing and we'll make one big synergetic media you know empire. Well, you know the biggest comic book now doesn't sell a hundred grand. So who would be right, excited? Man. Like oh, take a million dollars! Jesus right. Christ, the me you love in the dark's gonna take off. That's the thing it might Like The Walking Dead did But nobody's going to put the big money into it Thinking that bigger money is coming Because there's not big money in it from the start Sorry to rant like that But guys act fucking mystified in 90s And it's just a simple answer Like it's not There's nothing complicated about it Shadow Man did meet Aerosmith though He's he's absolutely That That happened on this I bought it off the shelves It was going to be worth a million dollars Eat the rich baby I remember Yeah Master Dark all like digging in Steven Tyler's voodoo doll heart. What a moment. <laughs> that universe when it started and, and I wasn't picking up any of those books either. I saw them. I was going to the LCS and I'd see them sitting on the shelves. But again, it's one of those things where I was like, oh, you know, I already told you guys, do I want to jump into a different title? Well, now I got to be like, do I want to jump into a different universe? It seemed kind of daunting to me. Like, OK, well. Getting on the, on the ground floor of things, that's definitely appealing to some other people. Uh, I can't tell you that. daunting to you? Like, you're like, I don't even know if I want to take on an extra title. One of the things that Ultraverse, like, really marketed itself on its brand was that things would be interconnected. To the point where, like, when I was talking to Derry before we came on, you can argue that the pre-Marvel Ultraverse is just one big crossover in a lot of ways. Did that turn you off as well? You're like, wow, it's not like I can just pick up, you know, 
solitaire i'm gonna have to get a whole bunch of other books did that in your mind at all no no it, it i mean i had no idea what was going on in the <laughs> ultraverse at all man I, I i'm the only person who heard any of the right dude ultraverse that's what I, i'm I, you're telling your mom before it comes out i have no <laughs> idea <if that> meant, <laughs> i i see it on the shelves but i i had no idea what was going on and i was getting wizard too so i guarantee you i probably saw uh you know i'd seen some uh advertisements for it but i didn't know it was going to be that big of a deal but a lot of people swear by this. I mean, a lot of people really enjoyed what the Ultraverse put out. So we're talking Hard Case and the Strangers, all right? Now, Dean, this is – I know you said that back in the day this held up for you. You, you know, you're the one that chose this. I mean, do you have any other justification as to why you, chuck, uh, you, you decided to pick these two issues to talk tonight? Well, first off, I just want to point out that I bought these issues. I did not steal these two. I actually bought them. <laughs> oh, man. American currency for them. Mostly because uh, I, we haven't talked a lot of Ultraverse yet. And again, like I said, the Ultraverse can be complicated at times because of how interconnected it is. But also that's part of its appeal. And this was a great way to get across like a microcosm of the Ultraverse. Hard case and strangers crossing over. Big fan of both characters. I thought this was a good way, you know, like Gary said, and like you said, I haven't read a lot of the Ultraverse. Well, this is a pretty good way to do it because you're going to get introduced to a bunch of characters all at once. Some important background guys you know there's some good punching so yeah all right so uh, let me go down i'm going to go through a character rundown here just to kind of familiarize our uh listeners with who hey with p- these guys it's a character fun down am i right <laughs> <laughs> sure <laughs> I mean, we're going to start out with Hardcase. That's going to be our, you know, our first issue that we're going to be talking about tonight. Hardcase, his actual name, Tom Hawk, created by James Hudnell, Jim Callahan, and Dave Gibbons. We were talking Watchmen a few seconds ago. Dave Gibbons is credited as, as a Hardcase creator. First I believe appearance. he designed the costume and drew, like, uh, a lot of the promotional material in the first cover. This is going to get posted to the Ultraverse group, so whatever we get wrong, don't worry. I mean, like 39,000 people (laughs) ready to tell us. So Hardcase, first appearance, prime number one, June of 1993. Hardcase is a struggling actor who became a superhuman with enhanced strength and durability and former member of The Squad, a super team consisting of members Starburst, DJ Blast, and Forza. Real quick, uh, most of what I grabbed my information from is marvel.fandom.com. So they... They are at least on the Marvel fandom page. We'll put it. We'll put it that way. We also have Choice, uh, which uh, her real name is Amy Tran Quintney, created by James Hudnell and Cranial Implant Studio. First appeared Hard Case Number Two, July July of nineteen ninety three. So a couple issues before the one we're going to be talking about tonight. Now, Dean, I said I didn't have time to write down exactly what. Uh, Choice is all about here. Can you kind of give us an idea of who Choice is? Sure. Uh, Choice is kind of the representative of the Choice Corporation, like kind of their out front icon, you know, like their, um, uh, you know, their Revlon girl or whatever. And uh, they make a lot of things. One of them is like Choice Cola, Choice this and that. One of the coolest things about the Ultraverse is there's no shortage of shady corporations. Choice, the Choice Corporation is one of them. You know, they did focus groups. They're like, well, if you had an Ultra as a spokesperson, whoa, the people would dig it. So they, like, made an Ultra, made her, like, forget it, like, implanted shit in her to where, like, um, uh, uh, she couldn't remember what, you know, how she became an Ultra. And her powers are very similar to uh, Ultra Boys. She can, like, fly. She's super strong. She has some invulnerabilities. She can shoot some eye blasts. But she's got to choose, hence the name Choice. Oh, okay. Just like Ultra Boy in the future, he can do anything Superboy can do, but he can only do it one at a time. 
What's she doing palling around with hard case here? Well, she's she's uh, skedaddled off from the Choice Corporation. And okay. she's going to hard. He's the most visible ultra there is. He's like the oldest one. Honestly, hard case is a lot like the golden age Superman in a lot of ways. On Earth, too, like everybody kind of looks up to him. He can't, and his powers are also similar. He can't fly, but he can jump a long way. He's pretty strong and pretty invulnerable. But if you shoot him with like a big missile in the tummy, you know, it's not going to be great for him. You know, much like an exploding shell could hurt the old uh, Golden Age Superman. So Choice goes to him because she needs help, and he just got back on the scene. You know, like he he retired after the squad got killed. The events of Hard Case Number One. That's when he comes back, and she goes looking for him because, like, he's he's the most uh, they say he's the most visible Ultra. Right, it's the same right. reason the strangers come here. Yeah, he's in this crossover because he's the oldest one. Hopefully, he'll know something. At least right. he's the oldest one that they know about. Bop, uh, then we have The Strangers, uh, created by Steve Englehart and Rick Hoberg. All of these creations appeared, first appeared in Strangers number one, June of 1993. So this is a group of people that were on a cable car, and they were showered with some energy and developed some powers after what they call, uh, it's being referred to as the jumpstart effect. The jumpstart, yeah. And it Jump turns these... Oh, no! <laughs> Yeah, this uh, jumpstart effect hits these people on the cable car, turns them into ultras. So that is what, I don't know if we've already established that, but ladies and gentlemen, the, the superpowered beings of the Ultraverse are called ultras. So uh, let me run down the strangers here real quick. We got Adam Bob, Robert Harden, able to rearrange matter on the molecular or atomic level. Then we have Lady Killer, Elena Labrava, a fashion designer who gained the power to become an expert marksman. She's also a great acrobat, from what I understand. Electro-cute. Uh, an android by the name of Candy, built for pleasure purposes, but given sentience by the jumpstart effect, Electrocute has the ability to project bolts of electricity as well as a highly durable body. Grenade. Come on, that sounded so creepy. <laughs> You're a bad person. Go on. <laughs> I stopped reading what it said, sir. Um, yeah. Highly durable body. Grenade, who is Hugh Fox, an ill tempered. Person, I I got an ill-tempered. Uh, well, is he a teenager or is he They're in, in his twenties? Okay, college. all right. Adam Bob or like go to ill-tempered person who can fire explosive blasts. I assume just out of anything. Like I think at one point he it's, fires like out, out of his chest. chest. He's always yeah. like spread it. You know, like he's like Raven. He's like quote the Raven nevermore. Boom! <laughs> out of his fucking chest. Like I, I respect that. All it's right. different also like like the way striker has like three arms on one side like normally people who blast stuff inside of their hands he like pecks up i respect it i love how you switch to cyber force with no contacts whatsoever it's like if you're listening to this you know who striker is i don't need to explain myself i mean listen listen if you're listening to this you don't know who cyber force is congratulations you're in the wrong spot stick around it's gonna be fun <laughs> but i don't know what the fuck you're doing here or how you wound up here buddy We've got folks that have listened to our Soviet super soldiers number one are, and are still confused. They're like, wait a second. Cyber force was part of the, the Russian. Wait. Oh, no. yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh very, very nice. Very nice. <laughs> so spectral David Castiglione can cover himself in flames that grant him different powers. So uh, now it's different color flames that result in a different power. Uh, I think at one point he turns green and he's able to use that to heal somebody. So that's kind of what we've got going on with Spectral. And then we have 
So then we have Ariel, mysterious lady. There's some like magic involved here. Uh, and She's many from of the floating island. In the okay, sky, from the All sky right. people. And I don't remember how she wound up off the top of my head a part of the strangers, but they're friends now. They have a complicated story about it. And it's actually pretty good where like they go to her place and when, you know, cause her father doesn't want her to leave and stuff. Pretty cool stuff. Honestly, she's almost kind of like a deus ex machina. She can kind of just do what needs to be done at like any, like she can fly, but she also knows magic. And then she has knowledge. So I really like her. I, I really do. I yeah, thought she was going to be the team's antagonist. Like I was reading this and I was like, Oh, okay. All of these people met, on public transportation, they all got their powers at the same time. They have right. a shared origin. They're going to deal with their drama. And then for no reason, they are fighting a hyper-powerful demigoddess who seems to control the elements. I'm like, oh, that that will probably be the antagonist. She's going right. to clearly come from this hidden society, and she's going to test them. And I know the character of Topaz from Ultra Force has a similar background. So I was like, oh, good. She'll have a... I think you, you people call it a heel turn, uh, but it never came. And I was you just people. like, oh, people. <laughs> people. And it was just like, oh, you're just part of the team. Oh, okay. Welcome to the Ultraverse. You got uh, swerved, buddy. The heel turn comes from someone else. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I, yeah, I got the same feeling there, Derry, because I, a lot of this, it's my notes were like the team's still kind of unsure of her. Like, we get, there's a couple instances yeah. in where they're like, wait a second. Why didn't you tell us this before? And well, I didn't have to, you know, there, it, it's just there's definitely uh, a sense of uneasiness when it comes to her spot on the team and what she's doing. But regardless, she is part of the strangers and she's helping them out. Then we have Strangest Zip stranger of them all. Str yes, indeed. Uh, and then finally, to round out the strangers, we have Zip Zap, uh, Leon Balford, a young teenager from the hood with the power of super speed. So this kid's really, really fast. He's He's got an attitude to boot sometimes, which is pretty funny. You know he's uh, fast because his shirt has lightning on it. Oh, right. Yeah. Right. The antagonist of this these couple books is an organization called Aladdin. So Aladdin is a government agency created to deal with the increasing amount of ultras throughout the world. Aladdin was created by James Hudnall and Steve Englehart, first appeared in this issue, Hard Case Number 4, September of 1993 and dean you said these guys become a pretty important part of the ultraverse right you know i, I obviously it's not exactly the same but they basically become like the shield of the ultraverse they you know have their hands in everything and like sometimes they're dirtier than others and sometimes they're playing nice with the heroes and sometimes they're not and later on they'll have uh they'll have their own agents and one of them wrath will have his own book uh, i enjoyed the book i remember uh I bought that one too, did not steal it. I bought that one, uh, Wrath number one and Wrath number two. And then uh, that's when my comic book store closed. So I didn't get any more, but I wow. like wasn't even available for stealing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I don't know what's going to be center square on our bingo card when it's all said and done, but that's damn close. Did Dean steal an issue? Check. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like since I told y'all I stole a lot of comic books, like y'all want to know every time oh. I stole this. Did he not? I'm, I, so listen, I'll back off on it. It's no problem. I love. I, I secretly do want to know every single That's time. What I, thought. I know. I know. I know <laughs> what people really want. That's why I'm here. Oh what man! People want they want to know if I stole the comic, and they want to know Cyberforce. They want Cyberforce <laughs> involved. Cyberforce. As many Cyberforce references if as you, you can make. If you can please reference Cyblade, 
married, sir. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the only other thing I'll say, just as background, is I, I I didn't read all the Ultra books when they were coming out originally, but I I don't remember how, but I eventually got a set of the Ultraverse trading cards, which I oh. read far more of them than I probably should have. And only years later that I discovered that there were more characters in the trading card set that ever made it into yeah. the actual books, which I had no idea. Really? So for the longest period of time, I had all these characters bouncing around in my head. I'm like, Oh man, I should really get to be reading these one day. And then I found out later on, like, I don't know what percentage, but they just never got around to putting in the book. So wow, if you ever get a chance, that. if you ever get a chance to read like random trading cards, there's like, it's extra bonus material that they never got around to doing in the books, which I think is the 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 single sentence summary of of '90s comics uh, right. altogether. It's like it yeah. made it into the trading cards, but not the comics they were supposedly based on. Right. 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 Wow. Hard case number four: Strangers in the Night, uh, written by James D. Hudnall, co-plotted by James D. Hudnall and Steve Englehart, uh, penciled by Roger Robinson. Larry Welch on inks, Tim Eldred on letters, and color design by Moose Bauman. So after a rough day of fighting some other Ultras, Hardcase and Choice come home only to find the Strangers waiting on them, looking for some advice on being an effective super team. Maybe maybe learning how to do this Ultra thing, as they say. After some introductions, Hardcase tells them his origin uh, about how two years ago he was an aspiring actor who became a superhero, found three other ultras and formed a team called the squad. The squad helped defend the city with the blessing of the mayor. And then the federal government came a knocking federal government group called Aladdin shows up to try and recruit them. However, they declined the offer. A week later, the squad would be confronted by an armored attacker, and we know this to be NME, but I don't think it gets the name dropped in this uh, in the first issue here that we're talking about. But uh, they get confronted by an armored attacker that would kill everyone of the team, leaving Hardcase the sole survivor. Hardcase then pieces together that Aladdin may have been involved in his teammate's death. Members of the Strangers chime in with what they have heard of Aladdin and how it may have a facility in Groom Lake, Nevada. With that said, all agree to head to Nevada to face off with Aladdin. Once there, they arrive uh, and the team split and head towards Groom Lake, but are soon attacked by Dirt Devil, Foxfire, and War Eagle, all operatives of Aladdin. Of note, Grenade, Adam Bob, and Electrocute are captured by a very surprising figure as well, leaving us with a cliffhanger for the conclusion of which will take place in The Strangers number four. Yeah, that, the very end is like, it can't be you. And that's all we see. <laughs> we but don't know was. who it is. It certainly was that it person. Was. <laughs> certainly was. We find out about that in Strangers number four. But that is Hard Case number four in a nutshell. Well, the first thing I want to say is just uh, it's a beautiful cover and it's oh, wild yeah. what they do where like it's really the same cover for both hard case and strangers number four. But they just redo, you know, the focus. If you get hard case, you know, it's a wraparound cover that he's on the front. If you get strangers, the strangers on the front, hard cases on the back. What, a you know, in, in an era where there were so many gimmicks, you know, foil, holofoil, hologram, telegram, I don't know, like, you know, uh, 
color forms, everything. This is a genius gimmick. Honestly, it's really it's really proof that less is sometimes more. Because this, in a way, you've seen all of those shiny trinkets. This interested me more than a lot of gimmick covers that were on the rack at the same time. Just because I was like, whoa, okay. Because it told the story to me. It knew, I knew from looking at both the covers that I was going to get a different POV as it, as it went on. So I want to start there. Number two... It's pretty weird how people just like show up at Hard Case's house, like, and they're just waiting inside. Like, this is like the third <laughs> time it's happened in his run. And it's it's funny though, because like this time he's like, God damn it, I'm not dealing with this. But then, and we talked about this earlier, he falls for like, like, I don't understand like why this is, especially Hard Case. He is involved with Choice, who is a smoke show. Um, who Adam Bob will let us know, like, again and again and again, <laughs> fucking incel creepazoid motherfucker. And then, but like, um, uh, but like, Electrocute just does, oh, Mr. Hardcase. And she's a hot lady. So Hardcase like, oh, my God, call me Tom. Of course, I'll listen to you guys instead of getting kicked out. Like I said, it's the old trope. Like, you know, somebody's, a lady's not allowed to get in the White House. She shows her titty to the secret, titties to the Secret <laughs> Service. They let her in. My God. Because apparently this, you know, never seen boobs before. Hard case is like a movie star superhero who is also like a quadrillionaire who has a super great house in Malibu. He's seen a lot of he's seen a lot of titties. <laughs> he's seen a lot of hot ladies. How could he fall for this? But he yeah. does. This issue like really has a really, and I mean this in a great way, early 70s, mid-70s Marvel feel where like teams are starting to kind of split up in the Marvel Universe. And when they meet, everybody's got to kind of introduce themselves again. The Defenders, the Champions, these things are popping up. It felt a lot kind of like that to me. Where like, you know, it's like, oh, well, we're here. Let's, let's all introduce ourselves. You know, and, and, it, and it's very naturally done. It, it's pretty cool how they just fall for the old correlation equals causality trap. They're like, well, you know, a lot has been around. I talked to them two days before my friends got right. killed. I guess they killed them. You know, that having been said, Aladdin is up to no good. But like, there's like none of these people are the detective of the group. I enjoy the characterization of everybody. I agree with Zip Zap. Why doesn't the guy have soda? Where's the yeah. Zin Cola? I would be wanting one as well. But what the issue does really well is it gets these guys together. It gets you know, if you were only picking up a uh, hard case. You get to know who everybody is really quickly, and they're off on an adventure before you know it. Both issues, too, here. I mentioned this earlier to Derry as well. They have, like, one of the things I really like about the Ultraverse is it's definitely Malibu Comics. It has a California feel. This doesn't oh, yeah. feel like the DC Universe or, or, or the Marvel Universe. And not just because it's in San Francisco and L.A. and, uh, you know, Nevada or what the fuck ever. It's like... The way these folks interact, the issues with which they're uh, concerned, just the way it's drawn, the buildings aren't packed together and everything. Like, it really feels West Coast, and I really like that about it. It made it stand out, and I feel like if Malibu could have gone forward, that would have been a really, really, really cool brand to have, you know, if, if the comic industry hadn't, like, imploded. Because right. going forward, they might have beaten everybody to the punch as far as getting a uh, superhero IP into more money-making uh, mediums. They would have already been speaking the language of the people who were there. They were already physically there. They already got a lot of cool deals because of that. Like, almost any time, like, if you watch uh, 
oh god what was that mad about you like there's an issue or two with like comic books in them for some reason they're ultraverse comics because they're a comic book company that was there so if you were a movie guy and you need a big stack of comic books you know who are you going to call you're going to call local comic book stores but when you look that up oh my god there's a comic book company here right you know right. so so like i feel like they were on they were on a track to do that not just with that proximity though but with that feel that feel would lend itself to those avenues of discussion great issue honestly i there's uh i really enjoyed it uh starting to finish i wish the fights were a little like i don't know they couldn't have been more drawn out for page reasons but it seems like they get jobs pretty good you know that's but that i mean minor complaints for sure this is a really good first part of a two issue crossover I only had really a couple notes uh, here. I, I, you know, I do love the thought that you're talking about there with the West Coast feel of things. That is definitely what I got. And I just realized that when you pointed that out, like, you know, he's uh, Zip Zap's looking for a, 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 you know, a soda of some sort. And of course, like some California guy is only going to have water. He only place. has water. Right. That's a great <laughs> example. Like he doesn't, they don't, you know, he doesn't drink soda. He's watching, he's watching his, you know, he's watching this figure. He's got to keep that California bod. Of course he's an actor, but regardless. Right. Oh, that um, was what I was going to bring up too. Was the part where Hardcase is telling his origins. Right. And he's all like, Oh man, all of a sudden my shirt burst off. And oh, I was very embarrassing. I was at a reading. And he's like, I got all of the numbers of, the ladies in that room and like i was talking with you guys about this like as a general rule women aren't into a superhero physique and uh the superhero physique is more of a male power fantasy not a sexual fantasy per se but the perception especially for like 12 14 year old young men you want to be strong and tough and nobody can fuck with you right so that's how you picture it. you're really big you're really tough nobody will mess with you it's not a lady thing so i thought that was really funny when i read that although yeah. California, maybe it's yeah. a little different there. You know, there's certainly a, uh, a different, uh, you know, you talk about like uh, Venice Beach and shit. There's certainly more of a bodybuilding culture there. So maybe I'm the asshole and I'm wrong. But like when I read that, I was like, really? Come on. <laughs> yeah, I, I do like how they lay out, hey, these are the characters. Here is, they can't really do that very well with the strangers. Um, I mean, we get a panel for each character and they talk about kind of like, OK, here, here's my name and here's what I do. And that's perfectly fine because you have a multitude of characters you'd have to go through. But we get in hard case, we get our origin story here, which I mean, you may know off the top of your head here, Dean. But was his origin covered like this in like the first issue? Is this what happened or are we are they repeating something that's happened in the previous issues with his origin here? Or is this the no, first time I we mean, get it? We just we we know it happened. But like the first issue of Hard Case, uh, the first few issues aren't like an or none of them are an or origin issue. Okay. I think there may have been a panel or two of it kind of like here. But like the, the first the first issue is like him like at a movie set then being like, oh, I better go beat up this guy named Head Knocker. <laughs> Head Knocker. Uh, I they was hit each reading, other with the car. It's pretty cool. I was reading that article I wrote and I was I, Head Knocker shows up in the show. And my my line to introduce Head Knocker was this goof. Because he's just, he is just a he is a big goof. Gets he runs after a guy and gets his head stuck in the wall. Okay, Derry, tell me about it, man. Hard case number four. What's your thoughts? This is a very dense comic. Not only do you get hard case, the squad, the strangers, everyone interacting, and then all these villains at the end once they attack Aladdin. But each character is set up to have their own complicated 
backstory that you only get little 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 hints of. So it's funny to be reading this now and to think like, oh yeah, you guys absolutely thought that the Ultraverse was going to go on for a while, and everyone right. here was eventually going to get their own book and a spotlight and everything else. And it's it's kind of refreshing almost to just see like the imagination on display even if every character is not a winner it's like obvious that they're just trying like no let's get as much product out there as possible let's see what people respond to and then that'll get the next book or or whatever else and it almost seems like antithetical to the way things would be like not too much later where it's like no no no, we got to take one character give them eight issues really give their own arc here it's like i'm zip zap i'm the living grenade i'm the the character i love the most is spectral who has the ability to generate a different ability on the energy that they radiate and then later on they're revealed to be gay so it's basically the pride flag and i thought that was great and it was just this random thing that showed up in the early 90s uh i didn't even realize electrocute was a robot until i talked with you guys after i had read it so again it's just like each character is just this you know they have this entire lived life that all this experience and to see it all mashed together uh and then still have enough time for them to fight the government i i thought was great and it was just one of those things where it was like i don't know if i would appreciate it back in the day but i certainly appreciate it One of the things you can really tell when you're talking about density and you're talking about every little blip could possibly be a character that gets spotlighted later or something important, you can really tell that this universe was created at a conference that like people sat down and painstakingly hammered out like every, every last bit of it, because like, honestly, you can't, there's no way to argue. I think personally that any superhero universe ever started out with a stronger framework than the Ultraverse. First off, I mean, the Marvel universe is a total accident. Like it just sort of happened and then they went with it. I'm not sure there's ever been a DC universe, you know, the way there has been like a Marvel universe or what have you other superhero universe have popped up but wow what framework here you know i mean so to piggyback off your point yeah you can really tell they thought this is going to go on a long time and why wouldn't they they had worked so hard to make sure that every screw and every nail and every board in that framework was meticulously placed and built properly to kind of jump off of that real quick jump on now I jump on now well the letters page not of this issue but the next issue Actually, I shouldn't say the letters page. It's some of the back matter of the book. Talk about how they do that. Exactly what you're talking about, where they sat down and they were like, well, what's so-and-so doing right now? Oh, he's doing this over here in this book right now. They're having conversations to try and make sure that this, uh, you know, this universe stays tight knit and a continuity, if you will, is, is solid. Yeah. I mean, they hammered out so much in Scottsdale at their original thing too. Like, yeah, and they kept tabs on what everybody was doing as it went along. You're 100% right. Derry, anything else there, man? Uh, only, you know, it was mentioned before that this has a very, like, 70s Marvel feel. You know, one of the things I really like about the Ultraverse is it was kind of like the second career for people from that era. Like, two of the founders are Steve Englehart and Steve Gerber, who, right. you know, did many of the Marvel comics that I like from that period of time. And Englehart wrote everything, and Gerber's never written a bad comic, granted – 
he's not involved specifically with the two issues we read that we're speaking about tonight, but still it's this idea of like, okay, what if you had taken that seventies aesthetic, that, you know, seat of the pants thing, and and you kind of, you know, jumped it ahead to the nineties and said, all right, well go crazy. And, uh, you know, you do not have to worry about, uh, anyone yelling at you basically like go to town and you can see a lot of that here. Like, like Engelhart designed not only the strangers, but also Nightman, who had his own show back in the day. So like there was a lot. Yeah, exactly. So there was a lot of like progress and stuff going on here. So it is kind of funny to see the, uh, you know, these are not new people. This is not like Rob Liefeld and Topic Farland and people who maybe didn't write before they had to come up with something for them to draw themselves. Like these are story creators. I'm not too familiar with with Hudnall, but everyone else is a name I recognize. So I just thought that was kind of interesting. He had written uh, Alpha Flight before this, and he did. Have you ever read the unauthorized biography of Lex Luthor? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, he did that. I can't remember what else. He worked on something else, too. I can't remember off the top of my head. Some indie that was like people liked at the time. But when I've talked with uh, Ultraverse guys, Tom Mason uh, among them, like they straight up admit, uh, and Paul O'Connor, who works for Malibu Comics, they're like, Yeah, the idea was like this would be a writer's universe. This is not going to be like, you know, because you're not going to. Can you imagine like thinking that you were going to out art the image guys at this time? You just weren't going to do it. So you better, you know, kind of like if the Super Bowl's on, what, what should you put on? You should put on like figure skating or a kid's cartoon. You're probably not going to out draw the Super Bowl, but you can draw some people who aren't interested in that, who want something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just want to read Grenade. <laughs> okay. I want to read him introducing himself to our good buddy Hardcase here. And he says, right. my handle's Grenade. All you need to know about me is I'm a badass. Don't mess with me. So of all the characters of the strangers, Grenade is the one. I mean, aside from Adam Bob and his incessant inner monologue about how hot choice is. Grenade is like the not just choice. That's right. He's he's got a thing for candy. Now, later he'll date Lady Killer. But at no point will this guy stop thinking about Lady <laughs> what a fucking incel. Go on. <laughs> well, grenades a dick. Well, this, I just wanted to put that out there, like because it, it isn't going to stop here in hard case number four. Once we get into strangers number four, he is a, he just aggravates me. And this is what he's supposed to do to me. He's supposed to make me feel some way towards this character. His interaction and his first introduction to Hard Case, and that's what comes out of his mouth. And then what we're going to have happen in Strangers number four, it just speaks to what a dumbass, macho man Grenade is. That's all. Yeah, I mean, he's mad because Hard Case, he feels like Hard Case is scamming on his squirrel. It's him an electrocutor on Ida. I see. And like, uh, uh, and so he thinks that hard, you know, and that's not what's happening. They talk so about it where he's jealous. Where she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, you know, and I think in Strangers Number Four, she's like, I thought you, you like me, like I know what men like, and she, he's like, yeah, but I, is it, you know, I don't want him to like. I don't you. want it's you like, look. I don't want you looking at him, and he don't need to be looking at you like that. Right. Ooh, Elizabeth, <laughs> I saw the lust in his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. And then he locked her in a storage closet, like the Macho Man did a little. Um, no, he, oh, us, us people are going off again. Sorry, there. <laughs> yeah, he didn't. He didn't do that. But uh, yeah, he's kind of an asshole. He's kind of a jock. That's kind of his. He wants the guy to make it like this. This Adam Bob can do anything, and he thinks so little of his friends. Like, make me a donut, brother. Make me a donut. Wow. All right. 
Let's get into issue number, or well, our second uh, part of this story, and this is Strangers number four, Between a Rock and a Hard Case. Author Steve Englehart, penciled by Rick Hoberg, inked by Tim Burgard, Dave Lanthier, letterer, Rick Schmitz, colors, and interior colorist, this is interesting, interior colorist, Food Hammer. Like, that is the name. Food Hammer with an exclamation point. What a name for a company. Captured inside the Aladdin base, Hardcase and the Strangers are looking for answers from their captors, who are now joined by an older man with a scar over his right eye. Does he ever give it a name at any point, or does he name himself, or does he say, hey, I'm John, or, I, I, I mean, do you recall that at all? Yeah, I, I actually had the same question because uh, I saw the scar and Aladdin is kind of like shields. So I was like, all right, this is our, you know, this is our not Nick Fury's even, you know, chewing a, a giant cigar the entire time. Uh, but yeah, I, I came away not knowing what his name was. So if he said it at some point in this issue, I I didn't get it, which I think is kind of funny, considering that when the strangers meet Hardcase, again, a person they've only seen on television, they immediately are like, this is my real name and this is my ultra name. And part of it is like, I, I understand you have to tell the audience like who these characters are because they, they're not they're not necessarily buying the strangers. But wow, like, I don't know that uh, if I were wearing a mask and had superpowers, I would go up to a random celebrity and be like, oh, you could see what I really look like and know my birth name. I, I don't have anyone to protect. It's okay. There's no problem. Yeah, no, no problems here. I can tell you this. At one point, Zip Zap calls him Leopold, which I don't know if that is just like Zip Zap being a smart ass or uh, if his name is actually Leopold. But I do not see his name dropped. It's not like he showed up and said, hey. Uh, I'm so-and-so, this is, you know, this is right after the first appearance of Aladdin, so I assume he's not showed up in previous books, but... No, I, I don't remember his name. I thought it wasn't said because he's a goddamn spook. Like, he wouldn't say, why would he tell them anything about him? Let me tell you, it's it, it it's fine in the case that we're reading the book, but when I'm trying to write a damn synopsis yeah. and refer to this guy, <laughs> it is not easy. Um, but here we go. All right. So, uh, hard case accuses them of killing his team. So he's like, look, you guys, you guys are the ones you guys killed my, you killed the squad, you know, and I'm, I'm the only one left. And of course this man denies uh, all of this. Uh, but he also tells him their powers, the squad's powers actually lived on because they acquired their DNA after they had supposedly had died and used that DNA to create technology, which is in fact imprisoning them right now. I think the force field that is being used was something from, uh, was it Forza? Forza. I think Forza. Forza. Yeah. It wasn't DJ Blast. (laughs) No, it wasn't. (laughs) Anyway, that, that of course sets hard case off. This man says, hey, you guys ain't leaving. You guys are not leaving this prison until you agree to join Aladdin. Uh, Now, the man tries to convince him that they only want to use ultras for good. and, And here's where we learn who Bob Candy and Grenade saw last issue, you know, the big reveal or the big, I should say the big cliffhanger. And now we get the reveal that it was another man from the cable car, a guy by the name of Sam Grandy, who gained powers, became an ultra is now called the grip. The grip. Jump on now. now. Ah, the grip. (laughs) Soon. Grenade. 
<laughs> soon, soon Grenade and Hardcase are able to circumvent the force field that is keeping them in. They do this neat little thing where they ricochet their powers off of, uh, basically Grenade does a blast, ricochets off Hardcase, and because we're not, I guess, using our powers against the force field, but using them against each other, and it's ricocheting, I suppose it's the intent, but anyway, this stuff goes and ricochets and it hits their captors, and then Electrocute uses her lightning blast, bounces it off of hard case, it then goes and hits a panel, and now the force field is down, all right? They can escape. Now, when the strangers and hard case are about to exit to safety, hard case says, no, wait a second. We need to go find this DNA lab. This is for the squad, baby. We are going to destroy this DNA lab so they don't have anything to use from here on out. So with a little help, a little help from Zip Zap, they all find where they need to go and off they go. Unfortunately, Third Devil, War Eagle, Foxfire and the Grip. Uh, are, are there with the Latin guards this time the team's ready so we're they were taken by surprise before I think they were expected this time the team's ready and after a few close shaves they're able to win the battle and reach the DNA lab where they destroy much of the machinery there when the man with the scar shows up Adam Bob says look I'm going to take all of your data that you have here and I am going to destroy every single bit of it unless you guys let us go that obviously gets their attention. They're like, okay, that's fine. Let's, uh, we're going to go ahead and let you leave the facility. And not only that, Adam Bob's like, look, from here on out, you do not mess with us and you do not mess with hard case. All right. He's considered a stranger as well. Even though he's not part of our team, we want the same, uh, we want the same conditions that you don't mess with us and we won't mess with you. Maybe we'll meet again somewhere outside of this, but right now, just stay out of our path. To which the man agrees, and they say, okay, you're free to go. So Aladdin agrees, and Hardcase and the strangers walk free, and at that point, they say their goodbyes and go their separate ways. So there we go. That is uh, Strangers number four. This issue was jam-packed. There's a lot of stuff happening. You know, we, we got to see everybody's powers. Not only that, the note that I had here was there's a lot of team character discovery. And I don't know if that's a good term for it, but what you learn about the strangers are they're such a new team. They're trying to, I guess, coexist well. Yeah. And a they lot don't of even know each other as people yet, let alone as like teammates of a paramilitary superhero squad. Yeah. And I think that's really cool. I mean, that's a great, that's a, when you see a team that gets thrown together, especially a team with this many people on it, it's neat to watch them work through their issues or work through whatever it is so they could become more of a team. And you get a lot of that in here in, uh, in Strangers number four. So I, I definitely want to give credit where credit's due when it comes to uh, at least getting that across in this issue. Boy, does uh, Spectral put Ariel, well, I, 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 I could look at that and pronounce it nine different ways. It's, he, Spectral puts Ariel on notice at one point in this book. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I want to find it and read it, but he really tells her off. And it basically, it's like you put her on DJ Blast. <laughs> <laughs> There's clearly trust issues now. But like everything she says, they said in the issue before, they already sort of knew. Like right. they drive up to the fucking base and they're like, hey, we're going to talk to Aladdin. You know, I mean, like, which is weird anyway. <laughs> like, can you imagine going up to Area 51 and be like, I'd like to see the aliens, please? Like, you know, <laughs> I mean, like, what are you doing? Like, what did you think was going to happen? Right, right, right. Oh, yeah, come on in. <laughs> 
right this way to the right, secret right. government agency. <laughs> watch out for watch out for forces force field. Watch out for your dead prince power. What was the other thing? Oh yes, my other note was Bob and his attraction to choice and his just inner monologue every time about how he's. I mean, look, I get it. He's a young adult. He's probably in his head, you know, yeah. every time, everything. I, I know that I have been in his situation where he said something to somebody and then, you, and then you're like, why, why did I fucking say that? Why do I sound, I think at one point, oh, I sound like a commercial, you know, <laughs> it's like, I've probably been there, but I don't know if I'm annoyed at it because I was there at one point or if it's just, uh, I can't stand it for some reason now, but uh, well, anyway. I think, you're, I think he's supposed to annoy you. I mean, the thing is, is this guy has, like I said, you know, almost inarguably, but at least arguably the most powerful member of the team. He can do yeah. Dr. Manhattan shit. And here he is, like, with no security, no self-worth. And, like, listen, I have my own issues with that, but, like, that's all he focuses on. And he wraps up his self-worth in, like, the adulation of attractive women, which is bad. It's not just that, like, you know, he's constantly whining about this. He is objectifying these ladies in a, in a weird way because without them, he can't, he'll never be good. And that's, that's bizarre. You have to get past that. And yes, we've all been there. We have all been there. But like all, I think all of us tried harder to get past there. If you keep reading The Strangers, you'll see that he doesn't. And he's about at the age where you're start, you're supposed to start getting past this. He's like 20 years old, 21 years old. You're supposed, I'm like, you're not all the way past it, but you're supposed to have it a lot more figured out than he does, where he's just mentally masturbating about every attractive lady that he sees. Listen, the boom trick would totally work on this guy. My God. Like he would, he would like sign over his house and like all of the golden fort dogs if you showed him like like the under boob you would have been, not even the whole thing not even the whole thing he's such a fucking incel um, but i mean but it works because the long range plan into the book this is how you're supposed to feel about him right now because if you liked him what he does later won't work okay good point spinoff of grenade here because i was talking about grenade earlier he thinks he can overpower what's happening in front of him with his grenade blast not even thinking that there could there's a wall in front of me. If I shoot off my grenade blast, it could potentially hurt the people behind me. He lets loose a blast and ends up uh, breaking because of the, the concussive, I don't know if it's a concussion or if it was parts of whatever blew off of him. I, it didn't look like anybody was impaled with anything, but either way, what a uh, lady killer ends up getting her arm broke because his, right. uh, you know, his stupidity grenade is again, he, what a jerk. Well, uh, he's a jock. You know, I mean, they established that earlier, like him and Adam Bob are going to like art school together and he's going because like, oh man, college sports didn't work for me. It's a jock response. And um, I'll give them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt in that like they're all, they're all new with their powers. Okay. All At right. the same time. At the same time, you're just not wrong. As somebody who had been part of, uh, who had played team sports, he should have known his first rule is to make sure that nothing he does injures his teammates. And he did not think about that. Probably partly because he wanted to show off for his girlfriend because he's worried that this big, you know, you know, hard case, big action superhero star movie guy is hitting on her. So it makes sense. I mean, I mean, I like the characterization, but you're right. It's, it's a dick move. Right. And it's one I would expect out of somebody from that background. Yeah. You know, and another thing that they kind of stick to here. And at one point, Candy Electrocute is getting ready to talk to Spectral and she uses his actual name and calls him Dave. And then in another word balloon says, I mean, Spectral. 
So they're making it a point to, again, show you that this is a new team. They're getting used to the fact that they're using code names and not calling each other by their actual name. And they're not wanting to do that. And that's what my final if note. If I remember oh, correctly, he's keeping, they're all trying to keep their identity secret for a little bit. It blows up in like two issues, I want to say. Like they don't, okay. they're not secret very long. And they wind up like people like surround Adam Bob's house and shit. You know what I mean? Like, but uh, I believe they are trying, that's, that's the deal. And she's just doing her best. My last note is our ending, you know, our final panel, uh, or at least the, the resolution of this story, where Hardcase starts to realize that he needs to start focusing on the big picture. Uh, so th- it's clearly, you know, now he's starting to realize that there was probably some stuff uh, that led to his team, the squad, getting killed uh, that is tied with Aladdin. You know, that's kind of what we get when we walk away from this is I assume that's probably the furthering of Hardcase's character. Like, OK, now he's got a new agenda. Now he's got something to focus on. Now he has a, a goal to further his story but uh with the strangers i mean what uh, what did we get at the end of this they were just like okay we're we're off i don't think they were setting up anything for the next issue other than the final part where they were talking about some dude death wish yeah lawrence bush now who thought he'd die within a week the world will wish he had death wish in strangers number five uh so all right i'm done Derry. Tell me about it, man. What did you think of the final issue? One of the things I liked was was Aladdin. Uh, I'm not 100% sure why the organization was named that. A, a simple antagonist, right? So all the heroes get to use their powers and show off and everyone gets something to do. And I just like the simplicity of it where Scar is like, no, this is, this is what we do. This is our mandate. This is our job. Like, you are an ultra. Great. Congratulations. You're not the first. You won't be the last. You either work for us uh, and, you know, presumably get a pension and all the other stuff being offered during the Marvel uh, Civil War, or uh, you go to jail until we figure out whether or not you're safe. Like, from his perspective, he's just doing what he's always done. Like, Aladdin is shown to be, like, a well-financed organization, organization with a mandate and everything else. And I just kind of like the idea that, you know, everyone randomly got superpowers for something that's not explored in these two issues, but there's already an organization showing up and being like, yeah, congratulations. This is this is how it's going to be. Like we we will make the little deal with you here because there's a lot of you and we were unprepared and hard cases famous or whatever. But you know we're not going away. We've we've been here for a while. We predate you guys being on that bus that random time or cable car, excuse me. So I like that because again it hints at a larger world. How long have they been doing this? You know, is there an are they called Aladdin because they've been around like the League of Assassins going back hundreds of years? I don't know. I haven't read as much of the Ultraverse as Dean has, but uh, I let the mind wander. And the other thing, my, my favorite thing about these two issues is we got to talk about Grenade a little bit more because right. he may have the best costume in all of superhero fiction. And for those of you who, are, who haven't read this issue, I just want to describe it a little bit. He's got the classic half mask. You know, the the standard of superheroes at the time. He's got an open chest just out there, nothing on his arms. Presumably uh, his skin has to be free to allow his powers, but that does not stop arbitrary green fabric from hanging off of him in the pattern of a uh, green hand grenade. And then the biggest, brightest, most polished shoulder pads I have ever seen 
on a superhero. Um, <laughs> and then on top of all this, he is drawn just like, uh, again, like a Liefeldian action hero. He's cut. He's got all the pecs, all the everything else. And what I just... Haircut? He's in surprisingly yeah. good shape for somebody who wants his friend to make him donuts all the time. I, yeah, it's one of these things where it's like they all talk about going to the gym and they all got their little bags and everything else. But right. it's just... It's one of these things where it's just like, dude, what are you? What do you want? Like, what is the plan here? And I just, every time I look at him, I'm like, I don't know what you're doing on this team, but I, I, I want to know how this plays out. Like the first time I read it, I was like, I was like, man, you are overreacting too much. Are you and Bob going to get together in the end? I don't think that's what happens, but that is the first place my mind went. I was like, I was like, you two are really like real chummy. Like, is that where this is? going? <laughs> But I don't think that's what happens. This isn't, I don't think, a a leap too far. But I want to ask, Dean, did Lady Killer, like, design all their outfits? Is that something that happened in the comics? Do you know? I believe so. Or she does design, like, an update of them or something. Okay. All right. I can't remember, like, all those comics run together now. But, yeah, she certainly did. And she she talks to Zip Zap in here who gets involved in designing as well. What a, what a good – Zip Zap really made it. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I don't know that they quite get him right or anything. Thing, but good for him to be like, yeah, I'm about to make a bunch of fucking money. I, I forgot about this, and I can't believe I didn't write it down. How skeevy Dirt Devil is by bringing up the slavery thing. Oh in my god, to yeah, like, yeah. Okay, I was gonna mention that because, like, here's the thing: it's weird how, like, as time went on, a lot of guys just felt, a lot of writers, like, just felt that some things had to be done to be like to to make you understand that somebody was evil. Like Martin Miller was all like, "Oh, rape's just another evil thing you can do," and like some people were like, "Oh, racism's just an evil thing you can do." And I mean, and but but they're not; they're different. And I'm not saying there shouldn't be any racist villains, but like this is just a one-off. It's not like he's the Red Skull or something where like or like hate monger or something there are plenty of there are plenty of villains in history that were like super evil without having to be racist for instance the crazy guy at the carnage concert which yeah, was, there we right? go he was such an evil guy he stuck that knife in there just to fucking like he was ready to go he was ready to massacre some people what an evil dude but you know what I don't think he wasn't racist. He and wasn't. so I just feel like it's weird that like, it's not even that I'm upset that there's a racist villain. It's that like, why is this a one-off thing? Like, what the fuck is this? Like, it's fucking right. weird. On the other hand, yeah, I'm not surprised that these secret cops are racist. So way to go. Yeah, uh, <laughs> right. It, it definitely struck me when, when you're sitting here reading this and their grip, who I, the only thing you can think about with grip is like, oh man, he's been led the wrong way and now look at the people he's involved with they obviously don't have his best interest at heart well let's just put a cherry on top of that now he's got racists who are you know love the fact that he is working with or for them but let's be um, honest about the group okay like okay this guy goes from like cable car operator to like secret cop but he's really into it that guy had to be like the shittiest person to yeah. ride the cable car with like he says he wants things. to help people you, you know, that's what he said but him but he's also like people need order he was focused more on that him helping people is the rules he jumps from like this to secret cop he was always a tyrannical emperor of his you know what you know what he was doing on that cable car he was yelling at people to jump on now <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> All right, Barry, I'm sorry, buddy. Go ahead. Did you have? No, I, I was just gonna say. You know, it, it's it's not fair. It's easy to say like, oh, hey, you got superpowers. You're gonna become a a superhero or or a bad person or whatever. You, you know, what have you? But like the normal person who like doesn't want to work a nine to five job, they get superpowers, and it doesn't. It's not debilitating. And suddenly the government shows up and goes, hey, you want a you want a job? You want a pension? You want all this stuff? Well, what do I have to do? Well, we're going to give you a costume and agency, and you're going to feel good about yourself. And if someone shows up we don't like, and we're going to tell you is evil, you you know you get to punch them with your new superpowers. And it's like, yeah, all right, that that beats. Again, I, I've never been on a cable car, but if it's anything like the subway, it's like, yeah, I, I would think that that would be a good trade up in your career. Again, I don't know the grip's entire backstory here, but again, it's like you know, Dirt Devil, the War Eagle seems to have wings or some nonsense. But it's like you don't know what these people did before they randomly got powers and some guy shows up and is like hey you work for me now and uh, you're gonna get a w2 and you know have fun with it it's like that might you know might have been an improvement in their life war eagle was literally the war eagle from auburn university that they fly before the football games and when he got hit by the jump start effect he became a person i think that's his origin in that's my head. that's what happened well yeah, if, that's, if, that's... if electrocute can become sentient sure why not why not why not why not Actually, I don't know. I don't know his origin off the top of my head. But, uh, but yeah, you're not wrong. I mean, I, I think you're right, especially when you're like, hey, listen, do you want to make like 60 grand a year and have government benefits or do you want to be in a secret prison? I think a lot of people are going to choose that. But I do maintain the grip. Like, he didn't, you didn't, based on what he says about like keeping, I kept order on my cable car. I'm like, great. That's oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I wouldn't have done it. I'm not saying it's for everyone. No, 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 I'm just listen, saying like, try I to get see why people fun. do it, but he was eager to do do it like yeah. listen i wouldn't want to do it but like if the choices are that or go to secret prison honestly couldn't sit here and tell you what i would do what i'm probably trying to do is use my powers to get out of the situation we'll see what happens you know whatever but like i can't tell you because i do not want to enforce the government's rules believe it or not i know that's off brand for me but like um uh <laughs> but i also don't want to go to secret prison so yeah i'm just playing devil's advocate because again i i've read the the, the least amount of uh of ultraverse books and I, I again i just thought it was interesting where it's like uh, they're not fighting Magneto. They're not fighting this Weather Witch character. They're just like they're fighting this government guy who doesn't, to your point, like didn't even feel the need to give his name or monologue or do anything else. And at the end, he agrees to their terms because he's like, yeah, fine, great. Like he doesn't care. Like he's going to write a report, hand it up to his boss and be like these guys aren't going anywhere. One of them's going to screw up and then we're going to go in again and we're going to go in with more power and you know, what have you. And I, I think you even mentioned one of them does have a, and I'm going to use the term again, he'll turn in the future. So it's like, he knows he's going to get his shot. It's, it's, it's bureaucracy, <laughs> right? The enemy, right. the enemy of any great superpower is bureaucracy. So I just, uh, I got a kick out of that. And I was again, just letting the mind wander. Somebody did something on writeups.org. All right. War Eagle. All right. And then down here, it shows a picture of War Eagle. And then it says context where I think they usually throw in, you know, to give you an idea who this character is. And the context says the context ain't important. Honestly, that's <laughs> what is written. <laughs> All right. No, All right. not wrong. <laughs> Dean Compton, issue number four of The Strangers. We finished this story out. What are your thoughts? Well, um, you get some cool super speed stuff. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, the Vortex trick, which he does here. I'm also a big fan of the, we don't have time to search, so I will search every square centimeter of this. And I'm a big fan of the, 
I just did. This, I just kept you from doing the thing you were about to do because I'm so fast. Because he's like, "Hey, want to see me trash this panel? Want to see me do it again?" So I, I, uh, I definitely good. enjoyed um, that part of it. I kind of covered a lot of my thoughts, which one of them is like I mentioned that the the grip was apparently a crypto fascist his whole time, just ready, <laughs> just ready for his chance. I think also, like, the first thing I thought when I read it, and I'm such a bad person, but, like, when Adam Bob is going to be like, oh, destroy all your data, I'm like, what are you going to do, turn it into donuts? Like, that's exactly <laughs> right up my head. Like, oh, yeah, there's going to be this place going to be full of fucking donuts in a minute, brother. I really like the issue overall. Both these issues do a good job. Like, the hard case one is definitely more about hard case, and this one is definitely more about the strangers, to the point where, like, hard case does several things off panel while the strangers handle the uh, cool Aladdin minions. Speaking of Aladdin, I think maybe the reason that they're called Aladdin is because they're secret. And I want to say there was like the secrets of the lamp and that kind of thing. Like that's a term that I remember hearing. So I think that's why they're Aladdin. You know, there's a hidden thing inside. I can't say for certain, but I believe that 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 would be it. I have a little bit of information here from moa.omnimulti.com. All right. So uh, this is multiversal Omnipedia. I've, Listen, all I did was a Google search, but I'm going to I'm going to read this first paragraph here. This there's a couple terms here that might make you go, oh, OK, that might be why they're called Aladdin. Okay. So Aladdin was a U.S. government agency apparently funded sometimes in the 1960s to deal with a growing number of ultras in their world. In 1970, their scientific division using a synthesis of organic brain tissue and computer system called oh. G-E-N-I-E. Yes, Genie. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I forgot about Genie. We're examining oh, alien technology and corpses discovered by U.S. soldiers. Okay, so there you that's go. What... That's that whole Genie tie, I think, is where it probably sprang the Aladdin thing. But, I can't uh, believe I forgot about Genie. Thanks to... <laughs> thanks to this random thing on a multiversal Omnipedia. I've never even heard of this site, but there you go. I'm going to have to check it out because they, maybe they have some information about triumphant comics, which is a mm, hole for maybe, me. Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe, but there what you is go. There's triumphant comics. Oh, they had uh they were around for like a year or around like 95 trying to like Prince Vandal, the Chromium man scavengers. And their big gimmick was that every cover had a serial number on it. So it would be like 15,172 of (laughs) 35,000. So watch out. So that was them, but uh, I've never gotten to read much of it. So I, you know, I'm interested in the, uh, I'm I'm just interested in all this stuff. I like, you know, we covered a lot of it. Like you get tired of Adam Bob shit. Although I do appreciate like all of a sudden he's very able to get something done and he does something very uh, grandiose almost like what's a big standoff. And I really, I really like that. It was a good solution. Yeah, the guy, this government agency, it's got plenty of fish to fry. It's probably but it's better for them in some ways not to go after these guys, especially hard case, because like if hard case disappears, people are going to look for hard case. I mean, everybody from like the you know, you know, uh, Mario Lopez on Extra to like <laughs> New York Times investigative, you know, they're going to cover this story. Yeah. Hey, man, he went to Haiti during the earthquake and he found out why that water wasn't being delivered. I saw a promo about it. But for real, it would be an entertainment thing. The military investigators would be into it. You know, investigative reporters would be into it. Every possible 
section of journalism with the you know po- with the possible exception of like the uh, the business section they would all be like what happened to hard case well i'm going to investigate this and you could never keep that eventually you know the secret would come out and they're literally trying to keep the genie in the bottle so uh there you go um it, i think it's i think it's funny how you get the like the uh the, the end with the northern california southern california jabs oh which, yeah uh, very natural for that area. But all in all, it's just a really good two-parter that could get anybody to read the other book if you weren't interested. And it really keeps this... You It really, really stays on brand for the Ultraverse, which is a very interconnected, a hyper-connected universe. You get that here. Very dense in a good way. A lot of fun. And when you're done, you feel like... You honestly feel like you've accomplished something. I mean, I know that sounds weird. Like, oh, I wrote comic books. But you feel like you've moved farther along in this greater universal story. So you feel like something happened here. It doesn't quite have that big event feel. But it does have a smaller event feel. Going back to these not being new creators, or, or at least Engelhart in question, but everyone on this team, on the Strangers, they all have unique powers, which I like. You know, he he really sat back and he said, well, wait a second, what hasn't been done before? Even with, with Zip Zap, who's a speedster, it's still, you know, to Dean's point, it's doing all the interesting things. You know, he's not just punching people 100 miles an hour or any of that nonsense. It's really like, how can I use this power in a creative way? And, and I, and I kind of like that because all the, all the characters had enough things that I hadn't seen before or used in ways that I hadn't seen that I was like, oh, okay, if I had the next issue of Strange sitting in front of me, I probably would continue to read it. And again, that's just a credit to Engelhardt, who's like, well, I've been doing this. Uh, I've been doing this a while. So this is what comes next. And uh, I really appreciated that. It wasn't just like you had uh, a bunch of random generic characters. I mean, they 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 can come off as generic because you don't know them that well. But at least there was some thought behind what they could do. They, again, I go back to this, like there was intent for all their stories to continue. And I, I really appreciated that about a seemingly random book. It also, you know, when you talk about the strangers, it really flies against the archetype of superhero teams in that, like, who's the big strong guy? They don't really have one. Right. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, like, who's the who's the face front, clean cut leader guy? They don't really have one. Like, yeah. he's really done a good job putting this, a very diverse team as well, you know, that has a black guy and a gay guy. And I don't know, uh, Ariel is a black lady, you know, I mean, and. Lady Killer, I forget her origin, you know, her ethnicity, but, you know, there's a very, you know, you know, diverse comic in a good way, too. So which was also something that you didn't really get a ton of you know, outside of like X-Men. You know, a lot of teams could look very, very homogenous. And this one looks and feels a lot different. So it's really attacking that superhero team archetype on two levels, you know, in, in, a, in a really, really good way. Couldn't agree more. I agree. My, my only question is for Electrocute, she, she's a fembot, right? Like, she's just not a random android. Like, someone made her with ill intent in mind. Yeah, so, J.D. Hunt, um, it, you, know, JD who's, Hunt. Who's, you know, like I said, there's a lot of evil corporations in the Ultraverse. Well, he heads up another one, and he had her made, yeah, as basically his, his fembot, his weird science experiment. And when the... Uh, the jump start effect happened. She basically was like, you know, I'm not really going to do this anymore. What I had read was like, he's making out with this fembot 
on yeah. the cable car. Yeah. People get so disgusted with what he's doing, they kick his ass off of the cable car and then the jump starts. And then, the and jump starts. Oh, okay. The jump start happens okay. right after they throw him off. Yeah. Wow. And the no, grip was no. telling them to cut it down. You know, hey, <laughs> hey. <laughs> and he's right. You know, don't make um, me come back there. If, uh, if DC had bought them, this would be a great. CW show like the strangers what were they doing on that cable car find out this fall the stories of each one of these characters as they lead up to where they finally come together to become a team I mean come on that's that writes itself go ahead Dean Oh, no, I was just going to say, I think it would be very interesting if DC had managed to buy Malibu to also see these characters interact with the Wildstorm universe. Mm. Because, you know, they're, you know, Ultraverse, I don't want to, I don't want to make it sound simpler than it was, but a lot of it was financed off the money that Malibu made when they published Image, you know, and um, so they're almost... I don't know, weird cousins, you know, in a way. And so like these characters that are very writer driven and these characters that are very artist driven, get them together and see what happens. Maybe it will be, you know, a little let let down like uh, death mate, but I feel like it would not have been, I feel like it would have been, you know, a very interesting clash of superhero cultures. And that's really when it comes to almost any entertainment that I'm into, I'm usually interested in styles clashing. Mm. There was never a, Ultraverse image crossover with any properties, was there? No, no. And, um, you know, I don't There's think that po- was possible at the time. Okay. For a lot I didn't of think so. In both companies. There was a lot of crossovers going on at that point, And I didn't know if there was something I missed. No, so I think, I, just, uh, I think Jim Lee drew a mantra cover. I think that's as close as we get. And I could be wrong about that, but that, that sounds right to me. All right, guys, this has been fun. We've been having a good time here tonight. Jump off now! <laughs> Let's get into plugs here. Dean Compton, Unspoken Decade. That's where we hang our hats. Tell us all about it, buddy. Talking 90s all the time on our Facebook page, unspokendecade.com as well. And uh, we're over at Twitter now where I'm a, a lot more active, and uh, I think it's a lot of fun. So uh, come check us out. I think the next article is going to be about the Max. So that'll be interesting once uh, Simi Payne gets that going. Very nice. I like the Max. Well, hey, you can go check out the Source Material Comics feed, which this podcast is on right now, thanks to the W2M Network. Source Material is the other podcast that I do where we just, we're talking about anything and everything when it usually comes to comic. Uh, It's kind of like a book club for comics. Uh, Recently, we had dropped our discussion on Kaiju Score unspoken issues podcast hey we have all we're we're in the 60s now that's right we're like episode 60 just uh in the can we had ghost rider 2099 already released that dropped uh tuesday the 23rd and that was a fun conversation these guys here talked uh ghost rider 2099 one through eight with me uh, so yeah, check out Cable Blood and Metal. That uh, that'll be dropping in, in the past as well. So that'll be in the archive. That's it. That's it. So we're gonna get out of here for Dean Compton for Dairy Wade. I'm Jesse Starcher. We'll be talking to you soon. Thank you very much for joining us. Jump on now. Jump on now. <laughs> Have a good one. Bye bye. Thanks for joining us. 
Unspoken Issues is part of the UnspokenDecade.com, the home for 90s comics, blogs, and podcasts. Unspoken Issues also has a Facebook group you can join if you are interested. Just search the Unspoken Issues podcast and request to join. All of this would not be possible without W2Mnet.com and the Rattelich and Broadcasting Network, so make sure to seek them out for more podcasts. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please feel free to share, and we look forward to entertaining you again soon. The wor- the worst things in the world, the thing I do not miss about conventions at all are those like the people who would run the really big panels and they were like semi-professional moderators and they'd like do their shtick. And at the end, it'd be like, follow me on social media. And I'd be like, no, you talked over Tom Taylor. Like, shut up and get off the stage. Hey, you know me from the Hop Along Sassy <laughs> podcast where we can sassy about comic books. Exactly, exactly. At Hop Along Sassy, at Hop Along Sassy 33 on Instagram. You know. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's not for the week. No, oh boy. Well, I would be the week. Trust me. I'd... DJ Blast is the best superhero name of all time. I, I just, I, I read it and I thought I had misread it. So I, I went looking to make sure that was a real character. And I found him and just my whole life just got better. So Dirt Devil, War Eagle, and Foxfire. Is it Foxfire? Foxfire, Boy. yeah. For some reason, I'm sitting there thinking of Firefox. Again, Soviet super soldiers. Confuse me now. I'd fuck Vino, man. <laughs> Scary guy with the knife from the Carnage comic was not at the Rage Against the Machine concert. I looked everywhere and made sure he wasn't behind me. Well, good job. <laughs> good job. He was definitely ready to Rage Against the Machine. One of my favorite characters to actually draw when I was a kid. And I can't draw worth a shit, but I was going decent on the max. <laughs> Oh, by the way, I don't know if they ever say jump on now in the thing. Hard cases like throwing the Ultraverse logo and then it'll say like, jump on now. But in my head it's like, jump on now. Jump. Jump on now. Jump. Jump on now. Jump. Jump on now. Jump. Jump on now. Ultraverse comic books. Now that's excitement. Superheroes. First editions. Jump on now.